Welcome to the show. Time to get into the good stuff. We are starting with the H in the first part of the book, which is for home. If you were with me last year, if you were watching the YouTube or listening to the podcast, you will have heard some of this already. It is worth going over it. In my old life, I used to be really, really annoyed if I ever had to repeat anything to anyone, anyone who worked for me, anyone who lived with me. And I once heard this great line by a really famous top CEO who was asked, how often should you have to repeat things to people before they get it? And he said something along the lines of, if something's important, you need to repeat it to infinity. And that's my that's my whole thing now. If things are important, we just need to keep repeating them until they stick, especially with this stuff, because what we're up against, as you'll see as we go through these chapters, as we go through these episodes, is we're up against decades of programming. And in some ways, we can remove that quickly, but in many, many ways, what we've got to do is slowly undo the old programming and replace it with new stuff. And what that means is, repeating stuff to infinity. So if you've heard this before, it's worth hearing it again. If you're hearing it for the first time, hopefully you'll find it interesting. This goes right the way back to the beginning. This goes back to where it all began, home, our home life when we were born. I always love to start talking about the bit that we never ever talk about. I've never heard anyone talk about this. We all talk about from the point where we actually come into this world, but think about it. You were alive for nine months before that point. Do you remember any of those nine months? Me neither. But think about it for a second, what that nine months looked like. Because for that time, that was your entire world. You floated in this lovely temperature controlled place. It was nice and dark and quiet. It was insulated. There were no bright lights. There were no loud noises. And you had this incredible food pipe that you could get whatever nutrients you wanted whenever you wanted at any time of the day or night. Then one day, a crack opens in your cave and this bright light shines in and someone literally sometimes reaches in and grabbed you by your head and pulled you out or you were pulled out or you were pushed out. If you were lucky, someone cut it open and you were lifted out nicely with less trauma. But think about it, that's your first entry into this world. You're suddenly surrounded by bright lights and screaming people and these huge giants and you don't know who anyone is imagine if that happened to you now imagine if this is the world you know imagine if suddenly the sky opened or the floor opened and someone reached in and dragged you into another dimension what would you feel like that's our first experience of this planet absolutely traumatic no wonder we don't remember it or think about it and from that moment we are in amongst all these strange people we know instinctively from the start, we rely on them for our very survival. When we come out as this little bundle of joy, I always think we're like, think of it like a laptop, a new computer. We've got a certain amount of programming already in us, but very little. So it depends on your belief systems as to what you think is already programmed into humans when, when we come into this world. It doesn't matter for the sake of this conversation. Let's just assume whatever you believe is already programmed in, it's minimal. From that point, we then install all of the programs we need to be a human. We learn how to be a human from the people around us. So for most of us, most of us, that's our parents, but it's whoever your original caregivers are. Could be mum and dad, could be grandparents, could be siblings, could be aunties and uncles, could be foster parents, could be in a care home. Whoever the people are who you were around when you were first born, these are the people who start to put the programs into the blank canvas of you as a fresh 
full human. And I love to give an example of this. So, and that we'll, I'll give you a little exercise to off this as well. A few, a couple of years ago now, after I'd started doing this work, I was living by myself in the city centre of Liverpool and one day I decided to get some cereal. And I don't eat that much cereal anymore because years ago I decided to get physically healthy as well as mentally and emotionally healthy and cereal's not that good for you. Little free health tip there. But like with everything that's not very good for us, every now and then it's nice to have some. So I go and buy a box of cereal, I'm in my flat, I'm listening to music, I'm distracted. And I get the box, and this might be harder to picture if you listen to this than the podcast, but for the purposes of the YouTube video, you know on the on the, the long end of the box, so that you've got the two long flaps and you open them first, and then there's two smaller flaps and you open them second, and then there's a bag inside, so you open the bag on one side, and then what I did was I ripped off one of the small cardboard tabs at the side, and I poured my bowl of cereal out of that side, and then I started laughing, because it suddenly dawned on me, if you can follow that explanation, why did I rip off that little tab from the corner of the, from one side of the cereal box? I've never seen anybody else do that. And it's because that's how my dad opens cereal boxes. I haven't seen my dad open a cereal box for what must be 30 years. We're going back decades. And yet when I came to open a box of cereal for the first time in a long time, subconsciously, that's the way I did it. Why? Because when I was born, I didn't have a program telling me how to open cereal boxes. I had to learn that from somewhere. And I learned it from one of my role models who I looked up to. So think about that. If we can learn how to open cereal boxes from the people around us, that's how we get that program. Think of everything else we learn from them. Literally everything. So little exercise for you to do. As I've said before, the book is packed full of these exercises. I'll give you a couple of little ones for the, for the purpose of this. Think about those yourself. Think about what cereal box story you've got could be anything could be the way you drive your car could be the way you brush your teeth could be the way you open cereal whatever it is think of any little quirks if you live with someone maybe they'll say to you that's the way your mum does that that's the way your dad does that that's the way your sister does that think about what yours are and then think is there anything else if you go beyond that what are the other little things that you picked up from your parents this is the very start of where this whole journey takes us so that's where we're starting out we bounce out into the world traumatic experience we start getting programmed the other things remember about childhood is childhood is traumatic for everybody this is a big part of the work i've done the big part a big part of what i've learned and a big part of what i share with other people now i think we often think about trauma what is trauma trauma like i think if i said to you look this guy's a serial killer you see him on tv there's netflix documentaries and when he was a kid he was battered by his parents or he was sexually abused or he was locked in a cellar i think we'd all say yeah we can understand how a child who's traumatized like that can then turn into a monster when they're older the thing is as i got further and further down this path what i realized was that's just one type of trauma and actually when we think about trauma we think about it through the eyes of adults. So we think of big things, but what we don't realize is the whole of childhood is traumatic for children through their eyes. So another example, think about a kid when you've ever seen a kid who drops their ice cream. A kid who drops their ice cream on the floor, it's like the world has ended. That is hugely traumatic. 
And when I was explaining this to my dad a few weeks ago, he said to me, yeah, but when you were a kid, if you'd have dropped your ice cream, we'd have just said to him, we'll just get you another one, don't worry. And I laughed and said, that's exactly the point. Think about it in context. If you're a grown-up, I said, say one day you'd have been coming home from work and you get home from work and your house is burnt down. Would you be traumatised? He said, yeah. And I said, what if I just came along and put my hand on your back and said, don't worry about it, I'll buy you a new house. Would that make it better? And he said, no. I said, exactly. To a child, to a grown-up, dropping an ice cream is nothing. We know you can buy another one. To a child who's emotionally invested in this beautiful thing that they were enjoying, that's the whole world. So the important thing is we need to start looking at trauma for children through the eyes of children, not through the eyes of adults. Really, really important. So for the purpose of this, I started thinking, what is trauma? And trauma is different to ch for children than it is for adults. If you haven't seen it, this is something I went into last year in detail. I interviewed Dr. Ed Tronick and Dr. Claudia Gold from the States. Ed Tronick came up with something called the Still Face Experiment a few decades ago. It is phenomenal and I can't do it justice describing it. So if you've never seen that experiment, pause this video, go and search the Still Face Experiment Ed Tronick on YouTube and watch it. It is very powerful and it's a great example of what trauma is to a child and how easily a child can be traumatized. So as I started going through this, what I started thinking was, we need to change how we talk about trauma. And it's really important as well to say at this point and throughout, you will hear me say this a lot, because I am paranoid about people thinking, I think my parents traumatized me. Because in, in the language we currently use, I don't think that at all. One of the reasons I was inspired to write this book is because I had a lovely childhood. I, you know, on paper, I had one of the nicest childhoods you could possibly have. And yet I got into my 30s and I still had problems. And when I went into all of this stuff, this is what I started to learn. So this is nobody's fault. This is not a beating up your parents exercise. So if you've got kids, this isn't a beating up you exercise. This is stuff that's been passed down through the generations. We've just passed down this learned behavior that does the same thing to every generation. The point of this work is we can stop it. Once we know about it, we can stop doing these things that seem very small that to children are actually quite big. So the first thing to think about trauma and language is there's a range You'll hear me talk about this a lot, about scales. It's not black and white. What you, what I described before, being abused, being raised by drug addicts, being raised by alcoholics, being locked in a cellar, being abandoned. These are things that you'll commonly hear referred to as capital T traumas. So on a scale of zero to 10, with 10 being the worst type of trauma you can have, think about it like, like it's eight, nine or 10 on the scale. Everything else, zero to seven, let's call them small T traumas. That's how you'll, ref you'll hear them referred to. And I like that distinction. The key is we focus as grown-ups on capital T traumas when actually if a child experiences a lot of small T traumas, which we all do because childhood is traumatic, they can add up to the same impact on us as a capital T trauma. And to take it another level, I still, when I was talking about this stuff, found it difficult to talk about myself as having been traumatized, as having been exposed to trauma. So I thought, well, let's think about it a different way. What is trauma? And in the work I've done and in the work I do with people, what I think trauma is, is anything that affected us as a child, anything that programmed us, that made us change from who we were meant to be, so that caused an adaptation. We'll get into that in a future episode. What caused the adaptation? 
So then I started thinking, well, instead of calling it trauma, why don't we just call them programming experiences? Because if we call them programming experiences, that's neutral. We're not blaming anyone for that. That's just someone taught me how to open a cereal box by me watching them. That's a, that's a programming experience. Someone telling me not to be angry, not to be afraid, all these different things. These are programming experiences. So let's talk about it like that. The beauty is anything to a child can be a programming experience. So the book, I give a whole range of examples to give you a couple of them. Being told to be good is a programming experience that that is powerful for the purposes of this work. Because when we tell a child to be good, there's an implication in that. And what we're telling them is they shouldn't be bad. Now, what you know as a child is, and you know this deep down now as a grown up, there is a part of you that's bad. And that part of you is just as valid as all the rest of you. But when we teach kids to be good, what we're saying to them is, don't be bad. That's a programming experience with, with potentially negative connotations. As I say, I go into a whole list of these in the book so you can get some more examples and you can start to think about program experiences that you had when you were a kid. Really important. Another part of this, which is very, very important, is as grown-ups, we often seem to think that kids do what we say. We tell kids when we want them to do something, we tell them with our mouth, we speak to them. But I heard someone on it, it was, I can actually tell you who it was because it was stuck in my mind. I was listening to a Tim Ferriss episode years ago and it was the wrestler Triple H, very wise man that you wouldn't have expected because he's a wrestler as his outward persona. Really brilliant, great to listen to. Go back and listen to that episode if you can. And he said a great line that's always stuck with me, which was, kids don't do what you say, kids do what you do. And this is key because kids learn from their environment. They learn by copying for the people. My dad never sat me down and said, son, this is how you open a cereal box. I watched him and I copied him. So some of the programming experiences we'll get and some of the trauma we'll get is because if there's a clash, there's a clash between what we're told by our parents and by the adults around us and by society that we should and shouldn't do and what we see them doing and that we copy. So we might see, you know, at the very end of this spectrum, big end, we might see our parents lying, we might see them cheating, we might see them doing bad things in their behavior and we, sub we subconsciously learn that from them. But then they'll also tell us to be good, that we shouldn't lie, that we should tell the truth, that actually telling the truth is really, really important. What does that teach us? We get a programming experience that this behavior we've learned off them is not acceptable. What does that lead to? As with lots of these things you'll see, it leads to us feeling like a part of us isn't acceptable, which means it affects our self-worth and it ultimately means we feel like we're not good enough as we are, which again leads to adaptations later on. We'll get into all that. Really, really important. So there's all you can see there's all different elements of this, different levels of trauma, different levels of programming experiences. How can we look at them holistically? How can we look at our whole lives as children and think about what happened to us? What were the things that were programmed into us? What effect did that have on us, have on our personalities, have on our, us in our later life? So a key is, again, go back, think about what happened to you as a child. Did you have any tra traumatic experiences? Did you have, you may have had capital T traumas. Many, many of us have capital T traumas that we don't even realize until later on in life. If not, did you have any small T traumas? If not, did you have any other programming experiences? 
Can you think of anything that might have contributed to anything in your life? Think about the behavior of the people who were around you growing up. Can you start to see any things in your life now that they do that you might not have seen before? Something we're gonna, that might shock you as we go through this is what we often do is tell ourselves a story in our conscious brain that the people around us are nothing like us. We might look at our families and think we're nothing like you. But as soon as you start going through this process, it's like, honestly, it's like being woken up from hypnosis. All of a sudden, think about it logically. What are the chances of you being nothing like the people who raised you? What are you? What are the chances of you being nothing like your dad if he was your main male role model or your mum if she was your main female role model? These are all things we're gonna get into in much more detail as we go through. One of the big things in this is often when we talk about this stuff, you might might sound like it's a bit woo-woo, it's out there, it's all theoretical. There was actually a huge study done in the late 90s called the Adverse Childhood Experience Study. And it showed a massive correlation between children who had experienced severe trauma in their childhoods and loads of problems later on in life. Look up that study, it is very, very powerful. And it correlates to loads of things from um, people committing crime to people developing chronic illnesses to people not being able to hold down jobs to the amount of money you earn, all kinds of things linked to serious childhood trauma. And one of the things that linked around for me in this was when I first read about that study and I did, there's a test you can do, which is online or it's, I put it in the book so you can see it. It said if you score out of 10, four or more, that, that correlates with, with trauma that you, you can see later in life. And I scored zero out of 10. And I thought, that doesn't make any sense because I have got problems. I, you know, I'd been through depression, serious depression. I'd been suicidal. I'd had alcohol addictions. I'd had chronic health problems. I had problems in relationships. And then I went through back. That's where all of this thinking came from. If you just look at trauma through the eyes of adults, when you, when you do the, the ACE study, which is what it's called, abbreviated. When you do the study, you'll see it's very, very serious trauma they talk about. And many people I know, many people I coach will have things on that list that happen to them. And they might have a score of four or more. But when you start thinking about trauma the way I've talked about trauma here, what it's like for a child, all of a sudden we can start looking at it from a philosophical perspective rather than black and white. So rather than, well, were you sexually abused by your parents when you were a kid? Okay, that's a, that's a tick in the box. That adds onto your score. What if we start saying, well, hang on. This study shows us that trauma in childhood leads to problems later in life. Well, doesn't that work across the board? So again, rather than think about it in black and white terms, think about it on a scale. Let's say on a scale of zero to 100, with zero being the least traumatic and 100 being the most traumatic childhood you could have had. Well, if you had a 30 out of 100 traumatic childhood on the scale, doesn't that correlate to a 30 out of 100 problems later in life? Same, 90 out of 100 on both. And I started thinking my way around that. And as I worked through all of this, that seemed to, that seemed to pan out. So this is really important, is going back to our childhoods and understanding the different types of trauma and the different types of programming experiences we experienced. Does that make sense? Jumped around a little bit and it's a, it's a bit of a summary of that part. As I say, in the book, I go through into more detail of the different types of experiences you might have, you might have seen, you might have had. Think about that for yourself. Think about what happened in your childhood. 
think about what happened to you. Do you have any stories? Do you, most people I work with, when they start thinking about this, all of a sudden will be like, oh my God, yeah, this thing happened to me when I was six and I've never dealt with it and I've never talked about it or this thing happened to me when I was 10 or this thing used to happen all the time to me. And actually, I used to be afraid when it happened. My parents used to say this to me all the time. They used to tell me to be good. They used to tell me I wasn't good enough, whatever it was. You can you can get the first four chapters of this book so you can see this for free whether or not you, you want to buy the book you can see this chapter for free and you can go through the entire list i've put in there of, of examples and just see whether any of this starts to click in your life because the next phases we go into the the beauty is once you start seeing this for what it was you can start to see how it started to form your character how it started to take you from what you truly were as a child to the character you've become and we'll work our way through all of that as we go. So there's more detailed exercises in the book. There's more examples in the book. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope it makes sense. If you've got any questions, get in touch. This will all, as something I mentioned in an introductory chapter of the book that again is in, in the free chapters if you want them. If you want that, by the way, go to paul.com forward slash free chapters. Would help if I could remember my own email my own website um, i'll put a link in the show notes as well and you can download them free of charge no strings attached if you don't like them you can just unsubscribe from my mailing list and um, but something i say as well is that a lot of this work is like the karate kid training i've mentioned that before again i'll keep saying the same stuff we'll learn things and you'll we'll put them together as we go it might feel as we go along like this doesn't make any sense trust me stick with me we'll go through a piece at a time as you get further down this path, it all starts to come together and it's like, oh my God, you'll get light bulb moment, breakthrough moment. It's incredible when it starts coming together. So if you've got any questions, get in touch, send them to questions at paul7cope.com. I will answer any questions that come through on another show. I'm happy to answer as many questions as I possibly can. I want this to be a good resource for you to be able to at least get some understanding of this work even if you don't want to buy the book um, by the time this show comes out we are getting close to a launch date hopefully uh, I'm pretty relaxed about it it's probably going to be a week or so I will let you know as I say get in touch with any questions if you like this if you know anybody else who you think would like it please share it with them something I've realised with YouTube videos and with podcasts and things if you never intend to buy anything but you like someone's content and this is something I didn't used to do just click the like button. It helps, it gives, tells YouTube people like it and it puts, helps them to put it in front of more people. My whole, the whole point, the whole mission with this stuff is to get it in front of as many people as possible. So whether or not you wanna buy the book or you want to look into coaching in the future, if you do that as a thank you, and you can take that as your payment. Subscribe to the channel, share it with somebody else that you think would like it. Hope you enjoyed it. Take care, I'll see you soon.